0: CineBuds is supported by Associated Bank CineBuds CineBuds Two buddies buddies, talking about Cinema Hey! Hello! Good morning! Indeed! Rise and shine I am 88.9's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films Christopher Pollard. We are CineBuds and today we are talking about Promising Young Woman. What are you gonna do? Promising Young Woman is a movie that features Carrie Mulligan as our titular Promising Young Woman as she kind of single-handedly tries to change the culture and also seek revenge on the sins from her past. It has a stacked cast of characters, yeah, including with Carrie Mulligan, there's Adam Brody, Bo Burnham plays a big part in it. Uh, Allison Brie is in it as well. It has been...
1: Molly Shannon? Molly
0: Shannon! <laughs> it is, I like that. It is also up for a bunch of Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan, Best Director for Emerald Fennell, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Christopher Pollard. What did you think of Promising Young Woman?
1: First of all, what I think is very important to know as we're talking is that I conceptually love revenge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I enact revenge. I just love to see it enacted.
0: Why do you you think that is, Christopher?
1: Oh, I'm a Libra. That's number Mm. one. And then Mm. also I love in movies where they say it's the old line is like, I want justice, and they're like, you know what, justice. You want revenge, and they're like, same thing. And I'm like, yeah, it is the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it is a version of justice in my mind. I don't. I re- may be revealing too much to the authorities and uh, <laughs> to the public. But having said that, this film really delivered on like a really good revenge storyline. Overall, I mean, I have like a couple nitpicky things about this movie, but overall, I really enjoyed it.
0: That is good to hear, and we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh oh, because I did not.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I can get. I can get why someone wouldn't, even though I did. But, but I'm interested to find out which what your reasons are.
0: I would not have nominated this for best picture. I think there are redeeming qualities. Yeah. I think it. Means well. I think it's saying something important. Right. As a movie, I felt bored for a lot of it. I think that it was flat, so flat, so dead flat for a long time for at least the first two thirds of the movie it was trying so hard to explain itself just continually having two people standing there explaining what is going on
1: we may have watched two different movies did you watch Promising Young Man? (laughs) That sounds. about...
0: Oh, right. that's we're we'll probably seeing <laughs> yeah. a woman. That's okay. what we're special. So oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it? we're gonna talk about
1: two <laughs> different films. You get a two for today on Buds.
0: Yes. Oh, this will be uh, fun. This will be fun. So there is a, and there is. There's a lot to talk about in this movie. It's it's trying to make a... It's making a statement on the culture, and it's also trying to be a stylish thriller revenge film. Can these two things intersect? Can they come together? We are going to talk about it after the break. Support for CineBuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank proud supporter of milwaukee film and offering support year-round through milwaukee film checking more about associated bank's commitment to the milwaukee community at associatedbank.com member fdic did you know that the majority of 88.9's work is funded by members that's why we can bring you such diverse programming through music stories and this podcast visit radiomilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to become a member today
1: yeah, let's do it. All
0: right, we are back, Christopher. Let's with pr- ready to rumble. Promising young woman. Yeah, I think it is. It is trying to do two things. Yeah. It is. It is a commentary about about the culture and about uh, about rape culture and about men getting away with doing terrible things and also not just getting away with them, but feeling like they are the victims. Oh yeah. That was gross. Yeah. And, and also, and never admitting guilt and never saying that what they did was wrong. And also how that, how the actions of men hangs around and affects the lives of others, even when they don't think that it does. Yeah. I think these are extremely important things to say. I think this is important for men to hear. I think it's an important thing to say. I also felt like it's also... It's trying to say that and it's trying to put it together with this like stylish thriller revenge movie. And I, 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 I don't know if we're at that point in the culture and the conversation yet. And also, it also... To me, it felt behind the times, honestly. I, I think in the, in this movie, in the, in the comments that it was trying to say, felt like it was, it was, it was like, I feel like it was just felt like it was kind of like five years behind the time. Like it was saying things that we, that we, that, that we have, not that we have moved past from, right. but it is, I think it is trying to, I think it thinks of itself as being a little more cutting edge than it is. And I was thinking about it, I was like, it feels like it was written five years ago. Huh. And at that time, it would have been like really revolutionary. And it would have been, I, I think it would have been really, um, really interesting. And then I was like, well, it was probably. Maybe it was written five years ago and things take time and I think it's caught up, but it really, it felt behind the movement instead of in front of it to me. And that was like kind of an issue all along. What what, what do you think about
1: that? Well, it's interesting because I think, I mean, you're right. There are two segments. It's one is a comment and one is style. And, you know, I, I get that. And there are moments not Related to anything we just talked about, but there are moments where I think it didn't hit that mark. However, I love the fact that it was a comedy like comedy thriller that was tied into a very serious comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's genuine laughs in this movie. All the banter between Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham.
0: I think Bo Burnham is would just had all had the only funny lines in the whole. Oh, movie. I thought she he had they, a, and he had a bunch of them. They had a good
1: banter though. They had a good banter back and forth. They did, um, and there was a lot of like extreme scenarios and uh, and the characters of the guys, like Christopher Mintzblots, uh He's such a ridiculous character. The caricatures. But maybe not Mm -hmm. even caricatures, really. (laughs) I'm sure there are people like this. But the caricatures of these men who come on and they're so sure that they're nice guys. I mean, there's an element of satire in that for sure. So I'm not saying a ton of it was laugh out loud funny, but there was humor in it and in the style of it. Her parents always sitting next to each other and asking those very typical parent questions like, Do you have a boyfriend? The only thing that the only disconnect I found occasionally, and then. Uh, to be honest, by the end of it, I was okay with it. Like it all made sense to me, but was trying to weave in that those like Wes Anderson symmetrical shots and these kind of these bright colors and, and exaggerated uh, kind of shots mixed in. But it wasn't enough of that to make it that. You know what I mean? There wasn't yeah. enough to make it that as as stylish as it could have been. There are moments of it. And then, and there's moments of humor. And then there's moments of the like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? Or, oh, I can't believe that just happened. You know, those kind of things. And where the message and the thriller parts come through, they were occasionally disjointed. The best example is that, uh, that kind of romantic montage when she's getting to know Bo Burnham. That yeah. one, I was like, is this movie just shifted into like a romantic? comedy montage. It was a very typical, there's a lot of humor in it, but then the whole time I kept thinking, Oh, this is setting us up for something really bad. And that, that ended up paying off.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's just work backwards a little bit. Like with, with some of those characters, like you were saying, Christopher Mintzplass, some of those for me, they were so cartoonish and felt to me, so dated and were so out of touch that it I think that it missed the mark for me with 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 them just being so egregious and cartoonish just kind of felt like what though that really that really missed it really missed what it was trying to say for me and some of the jokes I think were there is a a joke where <laughs> there, where they joke about killing children yeah. and I was like Was that a joke? (laughs) Well, like, it was like, it played itself as a joke. And I was like, I could not tell if it was like some weird comment or a joke. And I was like, that was a joke. No, that was a joke. I liked that joke. Oh my God. No, I liked the joke. Oh (laughs) my God, was that flat. And so so many of those, like, jokes and moments. And I think we're just as stiff as a board. See the stiffness. I
1: don't get what you saw as the stiffness other than that kind of, that kind of, uh, that typical, like, I'm we're the two parents, Clancy Brown, by the way, plays the dad, he's one of my favorite character actors. Yeah, um, sitting there asking these questions, they have that traditional awkward dinner with the new boyfriend, and it's mm. that's the stiffness is that that tension. I mean, that's supposed to be, but then they then he starts trying to be funny, and some of the jokes land for his parents, and some don't. And they have they've clearly shown through the whole thing that they have a dark sense of humor with each other, and he's a pediatrician, so when there's a joke about accidentally killing kids or does that come that comes later with uh with Laverne Cox's character actually too yeah
0: that's with Laverne Cox's
1: and i genuinely <laughs> she said she said i'll stop asking him about killing kids when he stops killing kids but he's not killing kids <laughs> that was the joke but and then they all kind of laugh i thought it was very dark but it was very funny because he's pediatrician But also
0: he admits to that kids have died so it's like <laughs> It's a very real thing that, like, a real guilt that he's living with. That I felt was, like incredibly insensitive. Oh, no. I was, like, it's, it's not a joke. It is. It makes it so he much fun.
1: He didn't kill oh. them. Here's the thing I hate having to the like, oh, Are you
0: okay, Christopher? Yeah. I'd like yes. to have it on record that you are a uh, defending no. child killers right you, here. You are you are oh, you're a you are a child killer apologist right now. Be Did just you, be very careful with your words. You, be extremely careful. Okay,
1: uh, you can put me on that fake record if you like, and I'll put you on the I record will. of I'll not understanding how jokes work. <laughs> because obviously, <laughs> Guilty. if you make jokes, dark jokes. <laughs> That doesn't mean you're in favor of the subject that is being joked about. I know you know this, but I'm saying it out loud. If Mm -hmm. you make these dark jokes, it doesn't mean, yes, I, I, oh, I made a joke about cancer. That means I love cancer. No, that means you're making a joke (laughs) that uses cancer as a premise because it's dark and sad and you have to laugh at everything. (laughs)
0: Jeez. Christopher, are you mansplaining humor to me?
1: I am because you just told me I encourage child murder when clearly the joke was about her trying to like really grill I, this guy and make him uncomfortable. And it, and I, it
0: I understand dark humor, but that I still doesn't mean did. it doesn't, it doesn't mean it would make this so much easier. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that any joke you make is going to be funny. The joke That's still has true. to be funny. That's true, it's and we just fundamentally
1: to disagree on whether it's funny and that is acceptable and sometimes encouraged from dark humor. It is. Okay. Well, however, let's go back to your point about the time timeliness of this film. Yeah, is the interesting thing, that I think, is that I I don't know that we're the best judges of if it's the most timely it is written and directed by a woman. It's cast and crewed by a lot of women. And I'm thinking this is just a guess because I'm not a woman is that this isn't going to lose its timeliness. And, and as I kind of alluded to a little bit, when we're talking about the caricatures of these characters, I was like caricatures are maybe not so much caricatures because people do behave and say these horrible things. So it's, It's, I don't think they're outdated caricatures because people still behave this way and exactly this way, if not worse or more ridiculous. So I don't, I don't know that we're going to be the best judge of when this is the most timely, though I get what you're saying stylistically. I think like this movie, if this was the eighties, uh, at least I love to talk about the eighties, this would be Heather's. You know what I mean? It's a dark murderous revenge kind of film. Um, mm-hmm. I I was, the ultimate thing I liked about this movie was how surprised I was. And it's funny because you keep saying it was flat, but I kept not knowing what happened. I thought it was very clear from the beginning, the premise. And then I was like, oh no, that's not what's happening. And then you have this, and we won't uh, spoil it, but there's this big, uh, uh, climax. And I was like, very sad about what happened. And then you realize, Oh, there's another level to it. And I usually hate like, like uh, a twist on twist kind of thing. And I don't even know if I would call one or two of these things twists. It's just the natural progression, but there was a couple real surprises for me. And I found myself actually going, Oh, like exclaiming. But having said that, I think there are a few like stylistic things that didn't match up for me super well but again i think the payoff really just made me forget about those things
0: i didn't really feel the payoff yeah i I think that Uh. i I really i thought the fourth i really enjoyed the fourth act and that was basically it um I, i i really i did not feel the payoff as the payoff was intended i did not feel that it was um you know, I, 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 I feel like that was uh, that was an issue that I had. Yeah. I did not feel it. Well, it happens. You know, it happens. Yeah. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that it's out there. I'm glad that people are watching it. There was a couple times where I was like, who is the intended audience here? who is watching. I, I don't think that it necessarily said anything that was like, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. But I think this is nice that you have, and this is a thing that I've talked about um, uh, exhaustively is having yeah. a film like this, which is usually done by a man, like revenge thrillers, yeah. usually done by a man from a man's perspective. They set themselves up as heroes or dark heroes or antiheroes. Um, but you rarely get it from this perspective. Uh, have yeah. a woman, Who's enacting these? this power, like these power plays on these men. Uh, and if you do again, it's from a male point of view, like a man wrote it or directed it. This is, yeah. I I did feel this was different because it was from that perspective, and that, and I I, I felt the payoff. I felt the payoff for it. Uh, but it's understandable. I mean, this isn't going to always land with like actually these kinds of movies in general, man or woman, don't always land like uh, for bro, uh, for. Uh, you know, oh, uh, everyone's gonna get into this. You know, it's not that's yeah. not gonna happen, and that's what these intended for. But yeah, I did like the fresh the fresh perspective on it, and I liked the wit and humor and the darkness and the
0: child murder jokes. It did, seem, <laughs> it did seem <laughs> to me like you're seeing that, um, that like graph that uh, Kurt Vonnegut like made this graph of oh, like how yeah. storylines work. I love that. And to me it felt a lot like the Kafka cockroach graph where um, it starts at the bottom and it just goes straight down <laughs> yeah. to, I mean to me it I mean it was a straight tragedy and there there is there is oh, no. zero up
1: zero okay I have to, have to zero f- up fully fully disagree because what you have is I I honestly think this well hold on no maybe I don't disagree Yeah, I do disagree. Because you have her, you you start out strong with her kind of enacting these vengeance. She's doing great. (laughs) And then she meets this guy Mm -hmm. and she thinks, oh, this is, this is, I'm on a different path. This is not a good news." So it's a little rocky, goes down. Then she gets back into it, it goes up. uh, And then there's a revelation and then they go down again. And then you think you've gone all the way down. And then there's all this right. final twist. Do, careful,
0: careful, careful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we, no, do we, do we have I know. to say
0: final twist? Listen, do we, we don't, you don't have to say listen,
1: that. Listen, listen. You said, don't have to say I that. But I did. And here's why. If I say twist, we all know it's not coming at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then don't say twist.
1: But I already it, said twist. You had no problem with all my right, earlier all right. word of twist. I, well,
0: I did. I just didn't call it out.
1: All right. Kenny, please go back and edit out <laughs> the word "twist" from everything I've ever said, and replace it with butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a thriller. Yeah. It's a thriller. You know, there's going it to is. be ups and downs. So and I'm just I saying, I- those are there's. I thought it was incredibly up down up down. I if it went down, okay. it would have just been her being successful and then her not being successful. <laughs>
0: I, I, I also think that I am not as susceptible to the, or I'm not as, I don't have as much buy-in towards revenge. Oh, I, yeah, that, that does help. I don't like revenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really helps. I, I, it, it does really help. I, I just think that revenge is sad all around. You know? I'm like, oh. it's sad for the person that happened. It's sad for <laughs> It's like, revenge is is accomplishes, you know, nothing but just misery.
1: I think I may be a sociopath because I find <laughs> everything you're saying very funny to me. Uh, no, I, I mean to be uh, to be realistic, just so I don't get fired or sent to prison. I like it in movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. But oh man, every time like a clever, a clever mm-hmm. revenge thing happened in this movie, I was just delighted. But it's you know what you know. I know what I thought about when I was watching it. It's a lot. Why? It's a lot of the reason why people love Law and Order SVU. Because, <laughs> because you think, why does everybody love this? These things that happen in this show are so terrible. Because you like to see them get justice for these ter- the worst of the worst. And you like to see them get what they got coming to them. So I feel like that is the underlying kind of vibe of why they like that show. And that's why I was like, every time they got what they clearly deserved, in my mind, uh, in a movie world. I was just delighted. Fair. You know what I hate at the beginning of a movie where like a bully comes out and he's just such a terrible bully and he just does terrible things. And then the kid who's getting bullied walks away. The first thing I think is that guy better get it by the end of the film. (laughs) If he does not get it by the end of the film, this is a terrible film. So that's where I'm coming from. All right. That's
0: that's fair. I think.
1: I need it, to talk it did to some a, people. I need to talk to a professional, maybe. That's true.
0: It, it did have a nice uh, Night of the Hunter cameo.
1: It did. I was very excited about that. Also, uh, this movie is nominated for... Yeah, let's quickly talk about... Uh, it does... I will say... You said this at the top of the podcast. I am super surprised this is nominated uh, for... Oscars specifically, not because I think it's bad or anything, it's just definitely not the typical Oscar fair, and not even just because of the subject matter, because of the style and everything. But she's yeah. not like the movie and Carrie Mulligan specifically are nominated for like they were nominated for Globes, uh, the BAFTAs in England, uh, Screen mm-hmm. Actors Guild, and Oscars, so it's like sweeping. Uh, maybe it just really. It speaks to people in some way, but it is very, very much not Oscar fair. I'm surprised by that.
0: Yeah. Promising young woman. We had to rent it. I rented it on Amazon, but up for a million Oscars, Carrie Mulligan. Watch it. Yeah. Okay, time for our favorite segment. Christopher, uh, what else have you been watching?
1: Uh, I've watched a couple things. Um, oh, he's quick, ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, real quick, I just want to talk about how me and my girlfriend have been watching a lot of um, uh, Charles Bronson movies lately. Oh, Bronson. Okay. Yeah, we watched the first two Death Wish movies, <laughs> which are nightmarish. It's interesting to know that, like, c- uh, current day does not have a monopoly on disturbing uh, violence. Um, yeah. And so it was really interesting. <laughs> To watch it He's fascinating And then we, I watched the other day a movie called Violent City Which is just It's like a stand-in for a title Like just break down Violent City And then we'll we'll name it a real title Bronson, later
0: Bronson is one of those guys Who was like super famous In his day And uh, I haven't seen like anything by him
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in the greatest... He was in big movies, like The Great Escape. Uh, he was in uh, The Magnificent Seven and Once Upon a Time in the West. So he was. He did a bunch of big films, and he had all these... Uh, essentially the same template for a film, which is he's like a renegade cop or a renegade anything. <laughs> right. And he goes out <laughs> and... Revenge. I mean, let's talk about revenge. It's essentially mm-hmm. revenge all, all over the place. But we've been talking about it because... Charles Bronson has the face of a sixty-year-old man. <laughs> yes, he does. His entire life, <laughs> he but he has the body of a twenty-two-year-old man.
0: And so he's like so like the sixties, you know. It makes like, that is no sense. <laughs> I, I saw a tweet or something like that was like, "Wow, I watched a movie from the sixties, and they just like let ugly people be famous." Yeah, and it was like, it was like, what a time, what a world, and it's like that is how that yeah. is how
1: Bronson was they let ugly men be famous let's be clear <laughs> yeah yes but I am fast the opening scene of violent City is him on a beach wearing like super narrow tight shorts and like no nothing else and they pan up they do so they treat they treat him like a sex object
0: oh he, oh he's <laughs> a hunk
1: yeah, they pan up, and I'm like, oh, who's this 22-year-old uh, character actor? And then you get the face <laughs> no, 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 of a catfish, no, no, like an no, old catfish. No, 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 no. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> How are you? How are you the star? But I was reading about him. And people, in general, he just had an air of terror around it. people were scared of him terror yeah he was a scary presence people were scared of him just as a presence it was just probably why people cast him They're like yeah you are terrifying and apparently he um he uh jill ireland was his wife for a long time and she was in violent city and he the man she was married to before charles bronson they were in movies together and he told the guy he goes i'm gonna marry your wife one day that's <laughs> like, oh huh, my god, that's such a that's such a sixties Hollywood uh overly macho thing to do. It's so funny, yeah, anyway, those are if for I mean they're very violent and very not okay, but I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also really quick want to say, or do you want to go and then I'll do another one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm very excited. <laughs> And I get, I get selfish when i with Oh,
0: sorry. Sorry. Would you like to speak at some point Justin, or should I just keep going?
1: Justin, are you still there? Are you still on mic?
0: <laughs> sorry. Justin. Hey, Justin. What have you been watching? Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm here too. <laughs> um, I watched a, a movie from 1979 called The In-Laws. Oh, yeah. Featuring Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Oh, that's quite as, a duo. It is quite a duo. It was, have you seen it? Yes. It was an interesting movie. (laughs) I haven't seen it It in a very long time. It was like a comedy with no jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there was a single joke in the movie. But it's like labeled as a comedy there, There is, like, the dynamic is legit great. Yeah. So, you got Peter Falk, who is just, like, Peter Falk just is cool. You know, yeah. like, that's that's his thing. Is just, like, being cool under pressure. When things are out of control, he's in control. And then there's Alan Arkin, who's, like, freaking out the whole time. And yeah. their dynamic is very interesting. And, like, it's what makes the movie. But there are just, like, some bizarre things that happen there's a lot of scenes that just go on too long There's like this car chase that's like not really a car chase but it is a car chase and it just goes on forever there's like a a human chase that just goes on
1: forever (laughs) i like calling it a human chase a human chase (laughs) it was like like they had
0: like they had like an hour-long movie, and they were like, okay, um, just let's just make each scene like three and a half minutes longer, and then yeah. we'll like get to our get to the goal. I saw it on on Criterion. So, and it, maybe I just like had like really high expectations. But I got out, I finished it and I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a uh, it was interesting, and they remade it with Albert Brooks.
1: Did they really? Yes. I didn't know that. I'm a big albumist fan. I'm uh, surprised. It? So
0: so am I. And I uh, uh, I mean that version was was panned. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but this one, you know, weirdly it has like a seven point three. It was but it was it was like a comedy before they figured out like what I can't, comedies. I, I can't be. tell if you liked it or not. <laughs> I can't tell if I liked it or not either. There was like I like I just love Peter Falk and I love Alan Arkin and it was fun watching yeah. them, but like the movie itself was uh I need to rewatch it
1: now. I'm very, when people's reaction are, I'm not sure if I liked it or not. I feel like, oh, I gotta, I gotta figure it out. Also 1979, I've always said was a very great year for movies that I like. Interesting. The Jerk, Interesting. The Warriors, Meatballs, oh, Being those are all, There. All yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those sure. are all
0: better well, no, meatballs. Yeah. You can't beat. <laughs> but if meatballs. you want to watch, if you want to watch Alan Arkin and Peter Falk, you know, mess around I for do. a while. I do for sure. The guys. Okay, Christopher, did you want to speak again? I'm sorry for I'm sorry for getting in here. Well, the the floor is yours.
1: It was rude, Uh, but I know I'll move
0: on and I'll
1: be I'll be the bigger man. Um, I watched. I'm very proud of myself.
0: Enact your revenge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) do not tempt me. I am like I am one snap away from like oh I'm going to be in a movie. Um,
0: Sometimes I'm like, "Does Christopher even like me? Is, there, is he just pretending?"
1: <laughs> that's what I like to keep everyone at that level. It's really good for me.
0: You know what? It's not
1: good for us, Christopher. It's not good for us. I like to keep everyone as like, "Does that do? Do I need to prove to him? I bet." So then, it yeah, really, that's it, how I feel all oh. the time. I tell you what, try. You got it.
0: me right where you want me, Christopher. You I'm got telling me you,
1: right where you want me. Try it out. It works so great. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love All you, right. Justin. Very proud of myself because I watched a 3-hour documentary and I have no patience anymore. Oh, but- was it
0: the new uh the uh new Justice League movie? <laughs> no.
1: I don't <laughs> have that much patience. Uh mm-hmm. it was called it's called Ex Libris, the New York Public Library.
0: Uh- Oh yes, you told me you were going to watch this. I was so excited. I
1: just have this ever. I read this book called The Library Book uh, like a year ago, and ever since then, I have a newfound passion for the library. And uh, Frederick Wiseman, who's like a master documentarian who does a lot of films, long kind of surveys of like institutions. He did City Hall recently, Um, but Ex Libris. It's just this observational documentary that shows you uh, for the New York Public Library system, which is one of the best in the world. Mm. And it shows you, one, everything that the library does, which is so impressive and so much more than you ever think the library does. And they talk about, somebody said, the library is not about books. The library is about people wanting information and knowledge, and they get that many ways. Books is just one of them. Um, But you see, it, 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 it does a great job of going back and forth between seeing all the programs, all the patrons, even the area around the different libraries, and then seeing... What should be boring, which is like board meetings and staff meetings trying to decide how to run the thing. But what that does is really show you how challenging, complicated, and vast the library system is. So I I, I thought it was wonderful. And it's very satisfying. There's some great images of these little kids. Like You see the moment when a kid learns something? He's like, oh, pointing to the screen. And I was like, I'm going to cry for the rest of my life.
0: That is great. Yeah.
1: So it's really, really enjoyable. I mean, it's got, uh, uh, Tennessee Coates is, is featured in it. Elvis Costello oh, wow. oh Elvis, my God. and Patty Smith. They come to the library to talk to people. It's, it's oh, that's so sweet. So yeah, I highly recommend I, that it was really cool.
0: I remember one time I went on a road trip with my buddies and we went to Indianapolis and my buddy's mom is a librarian and we got oh, yeah. into Indianapolis and, uh, um, we the first thing that we did was go to the, the big library, the main library. And we like went up to a librarian and was like, what should we do here? What's historical? What's interesting? Yeah. And uh, she like lit up. It was like waiting, you know, for, it was like, we just like came in there to talk and, and she had like had uh, these, uh, she was, like, okay, you got to go here. You got to go here. This is this, this is that. And it was like, now it's like if I go into a city and I'm not sure what to do, I will go to the library and ask a librarian.
1: I know. I never really, other than when I, I went to New York once or twice and I saw the outside of the main branch of the library with the lions and it's beautiful. i did I've not in
0: there. I
1: did not go in and I regret it because we were just kind of passing by. But now my my whole goal when I go on any vacation is are there bookstores, is there a library, is there a museum? Um, yeah. I got to see those.
0: I went in and honestly, I felt kind of bad. Because I was like, I went in like as a tourist and I was like, I walked in and I was like, this is cool. And then I I walked out and there's like people there like doing serious research and reading books (laughs) and like actually like using it. And I was just like, went into yeah, It's
1: like a smart people zoo. You go in and look at them being smart. (laughs) I know. I was like intruding.
0: Like, look at my big dumb head
1: you know <laughs> yeah I, you know they expect it it's fine i'm a, i know when i go places i don't want to look like a tourist but there's no way i can't because i want to see the things so i have to point right. my face say my face at them but i try not to take pictures unless i'm being real subtle i get really self-conscious about that stuff too so i this try to lie, like, I know. oh i need to i need to check out a book <laughs> I, I don't live here <laughs> Cackles to
0: himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you idiots. I live here. Pray. I can't even read. <laughs>
1: yeah. What is this place?
0: Speaking yeah. of reading, I went yeah. to uh, Lion's Tooth this uh, past weekend. Can I tell you how happy I am about this? Oh my god! I know. Uh, I first off, like I go into Lion's Tooth and they're playing Tim Maia, the Godfather of Brazilian Soul, one of my oh, favorite musicians. Yeah, and um. They're just the real deal. Yeah. I mean, they are, I mean, she was owned a comic book store in Brazil. I know. You know, I like, I bought a, her a book from the Hernandez brothers and she was like, oh, this is like, I published this. She had it like behind the counter and she like had published a zine with Jamie Hernandez. Yeah. You know, it was like an original
1: I know. I don't know the other owner. I haven't met the other owner yet, but I know Chris, and she, she's, like, translated books, like, like oh big deal God. books. She's very impressive, and I went in there once just to drop some stuff off, and we talked for, like, an hour. This is before they had, like, their soft opening. So now you can go in. You can book time to go in and browse for 20 minutes, but the place is so cool, and it's a bookstore, like, we don't have here. Like, I love Boswell. I love downtown books. This one is more specific. It's, like, a graphic novel and, like – alternative art books and zines, but it's something you have to go all the way to Chicago to find. And I'm so happy that they're here.
0: Yeah. Shelly is the, is the other owner and she she was one of the founders of river West co-op. She is a a fantastic person as well. And she like brings the, like the business acumen, And then Chris is like, Chris is just so the real deal. You know, yeah. I, I, it's so it's so thrilling to have someone who's so connected into the scene yeah. and is like, is important in it, you know, bring it to us. And to have an expert in that space, it's like graphic novels is something that I have spent a lot of my time understanding and knowing. And I still don't know a lot. And it's so nice to like go in and I, you know, was like looking through something and Chris was like, oh, that that's a classic. Like right, you, right. you've you got to, you know, you've got to get that or you got to look at that. And so good to like have that that expert there, and I'm I'm just so thrilled. And you're what are you doing with them? Oh yeah, well,
1: one they're carrying my book and a couple of zines of mine, which is I'm very delighted by that. Uh, it's very nice of them. Uh, but then they have a subscription service where you do a subscription and you get a book and you get a zine done by a local person or some sort of material and a couple of postcards and stuff. Um, Which is great. And so I'm, they have a featured artist every month. So I'll be the featured artist for April. So I kind of updated an old zine, but I made it, uh, not a lot of people have it. So it's pretty much new. Uh, and I'm really happy with it. And they're going to be sending that out with their subscription service. And I think you'll be able to buy them there too, but. I was delighted. I would do anything for them. I'm so excited they're here. And they, let me be clear, they do not sponsor us. Uh, They are not. (laughs) We are just super delighted that they're here. (laughs) Very, very happy. We will never shut up about
0: them will never. I spent 120 bucks on Sunday. I was like, whatever. I was like, I bought a book that I already had that I had already bought from them and I gave to my cousin. I was like, what? you you need me to pay the rent. I will pay the rent. I will keep this place in business.
1: (laughs) You and I are going to try to one-up each other. Oh, oh, you spent how much? Okay. They're going to like me better. I'm going to go in and spend more.
0: Yes. Lion's tooth. Lion's tooth and baby you go. All right. That is it. That's Thank it. you
1: so much, Favorite everyone.
0: Listener. CineBuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez.
1: DJ, I said DJ.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you started over. We get handcrafted. So, no, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> starting <laughs> over. We yeah, got handcrafted. Leave it in. Sonic Inspiration from the License Lab. <laughs> that's how I, that's how good I am right now. Um, Our theme song <laughs> is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newsky. He goes by Brett Newski. And uh, we also get help from our members from 88.9 oh, and Milwaukee you. Film. Wonderful. Thank you, Christopher Pollard. What? Sometimes- what? Yep. So, I mean, sometimes we forget them. Sometimes we don't give them enough credit. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah. K-Pol. I appreciate
1: that because sometimes I never get to talk on this show. And it's just nice to know that at the end, someone will say my name. It's so nice.
0: You know, I'm just doing it so that you don't harbor anger and enact your revenge. <laughs> <from> it.
1: <laughs> it's all my That's a my good plan, to to That's a good plan, my man.
0: All right, that is it. Goodbye. Hold so on.